0: I can tell you, wasn't my plan. Uh, uh, you know, when you, when you get past 55, I, I really didn't see myself ministering to the youth. Uh, matter of fact, a little funny story, right before, uh, about a week or two before uh, this came about, I was actually out with a couple eating with them, and I was talking to them that maybe we need to get a ministry going for the senior citizens. You know, and and, and lo and behold, two weeks comes by and then something happens to open up to where, you know, hey, you know, let's get involved in the youth. God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? Amen. So, but I want to tell you, I want to thank the youth because I've got to know the youth uh, and and getting to know them more and more. And I I appreciate our youth. And and I hope you as, as adults, you know, always take in consideration the pressure you had when you was young. I mean, right now, really in our world today, you know, probably more than ever, I mean, if you think about it, being a youth, shoot, half of our adults are messed up, come on, come on, we must have 20, 30 years ago hit it a little better, and uh, that's probably what it was, but. I tell you, I'm very thankful for the young people, and I just want to tell you that if you have a young person and they're not coming, you know, on Wednesday nights at 6 and then Sunday school at 9, bring them because I tell you, we have some good teenagers, and I'm very thankful for all of our young people. So with that, let me get this on here. Amen. My name is Paul. If you don't know me, if you're a first-time visitor, do we have any first-time visitors? Amen today? Uh, yeah, give them a hand. Amen. Oh, I went too fast there. Now what am I going to do? Uh, th- this technology—you can tell—I got to go back. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not. All right, here we go. And, and so, you know, how many the last few weeks? You know, I, I hadn't been up in a while, so I may just preach until twelve. I don't know if I can do that or not. But uh, uh, how many? You know, I remember when I. I was in a church, and I loved the church that we left. Was assistant pastor there helped out a little bit uh, the whole time I was there. And when I came to this, when I came looking for a church when we moved to Warsaw, I told my wife I wanted a church, and I wanted a preaching that was challenging, that would challenge me. How many has felt challenged the last three weeks? <laughs> Amen, yeah. I mean, the Pharisee series, the Pharisee and me, I mean, I'm here to tell you, we all have a little Pharisee in us. And we don't see it sometimes, but I'm very thankful for our pastor. I'm very thankful he takes time to study. This doesn't come up here and pull something out of the hat, but he takes time to study because every time the word is preached, it should challenge us, right? It should challenge us, and I mean, sometimes it should challenge us even when we get mad. I've left here mad. I've left here like that's not right. No, did hey, he, he just say that? And and I and I share that because. That's what preaching should do, it should challenge us, it should should sharpen us a little bit, And and we should, it should, you know, work out those spots, so are we an agape church, a community of grace, you know, love one another as I love you, did the slide come up right, hey, he must have fixed it good, all right, so is it down or up, down or up, there you go, all right. I figured it out. All right, now we're good to go. But before I get started in getting into this uh, Gopi series, I do know that Brother Isaiah and, and, and Don are going down the mountain driving to come back to the States. And I do know that Larry just went to the hospital. My son-in-law, uh, he has blood clots that they hit. He's in the hospital last night, and he has blood clots. So let's pray for the blessing of the Word and for both of those right now. And how many of us have needs? just with a show of hands that... Yeah, God knows those needs. He knows those needs. Let's pray, Father. We come before you in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for Brother Isaiah and Don. We ask that you give them safety. We ask that you watch over them. You'd keep them. We pray, God, you'd bring them back safely. We thank you for their work. I pray for Brother Larry, Lord. I just ask that you would touch him these blood clots, that Lord, that you would clean that up. God, you're well able to do that. And I pray that Larry look towards you. Pray for Tessa, Lord. You give her comfort. I pray, Lord, for every hand that was raised. God, you are an awesome God, and you meet the need. And you know, when every hand that was raised, you know the need that they're praying for. And as they pray right now, I pray, God, your work to be done. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. All right. The key mark of a Christ-centered church is love. And, and, and I want you to follow my train of thought throughout this sermon this morning. This is just not any love, but agape love. Agape love, you hear the pastor talk about that. It's the highest form of love that you can have. Uh, uh, and, 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 and the love of God for man and a man for God. This is a love that the church ought to have everyone for everyone, all of us. We ought to have this type of love. And, and, and we're going to just kind of walk through the first church. We're going to kind of walk briefly, just talk about the church of Corinth, And then we're going to really home in on the church of Ephesus. So uh, we'll uh, go forward here. It ain't working. There it goes. Ephesians 5, 2. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. This love is agape love that he's talking about. And we need to walk in that love. It ought to be something about us. And it's so easily, so easy for us to, to uh, not uh, have that that, that that love. Now, when I think about the first church, how many ever read the book of Acts? I mean, when you read the book of Acts and you read, you get into the book of Acts and you start reading that and you start seeing how that church is blessed and what happens in that church. How many would have liked to say, hey, I'd like to be been in that church? It's the fastest growing church, probably the most powerful church that ever existed in history was the first church. It was just, I mean, that dynamic, because you've got to remember, you had a group of men that, that, you know, they couldn't rely upon the Pharisaic teaching anymore. They couldn't rely upon the religious people. This was something new. Matter of fact... Everybody else was against them. I mean, this was something that was just fresh, was fresh. The attributes of the first church, the first church most definitely was an agape church. The agape church is opposite of a Pharisaic church. It's the opposite, the direct opposite. And you're going to see as we walk through this, and you'll see what I'm saying. Switch it for me. It won't switch. There you go. The early church was striking differently from the culture around in its way. This is from Timothy Keller. The pagan society was stingy with its money, promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. The Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body, and they gave practically everybody their money. Man, I want to tell you, if you look at this first church in the book of Acts, there's something about them that... That it just, uh, just well, it was powerful. Alright, switch that thing. I'm tired of jacking my finger. Uh, so, let's look at this. Bear with me because you've got you to watch this come to life. The attributes of the early church. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves, this is talking about the early church, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayer. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. You know, like I challenge you this morning how devoted are you to the church? And if it's not this church, is it another church? I mean, you ought to be devoted to a church body. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We don't know what all those signs and wonders were. You get to heaven, maybe you can ask one of the apostles. This was a growing church. This was a church that Jesus said to his apostles, "These things you shall do and greater." I mean, this church was a powerful church. This church you you did not want to miss church service. I mean, we've seen excitement here at the Living Water. Amen? We've seen excitement. I mean, sometimes we've watched this thing just, uh, you know, evolve. we watched it. If you've been here for the whole, you know, trip from the old church to the new church over here, and I mean, it's been a trip, right? I mean, it's evolved, and you see it. I mean, I marvel when I I get here on Sunday morning, and I look across, and I see all of the, the adults here. I see the teenagers up here. I look up on our balcony full of young people, full of children. I look at our church. And I say, man, I'm proud to be a part of the Living Water Church. I'm proud that God's moving. How many couldn't wait until the next Sunday gets so you can see what God's doing? Yeah, there you go. That's a church. And this was the same kind of church. This church was a happening church. This church, I mean, read it. The Word of God tells us everyone was filled with all many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow. Wow, that's what I say. Wow. Well, what a powerful church. The commonality that they had was the love of God. The commonality that they had was the love that just flowed through them. A love that says, Man, I'm just passing through this world. This is just not my home. I just want to give everything to God. I want to give everything that God's blessed me with. I want to give it back. That was the mark of the first century church. Powerful church to be in. Every day they continued to meet together. Verse 46 in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, what a church. I mean, we we know there's thousands in this church. We know this church was a lively church. We know this church, they sold, they gave all that they had. They know that the Lord added to the church daily, daily. I mean, I tell you what, wouldn't it be great for every Sunday and when we gather here to see people baptized, to see people come and get saved on an every Sunday basis? How many would say amen to that? Amen. Did I go backwards or did I go forwards? No, I went right. Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions that was their own. I'm building building on this. You might be getting a little nervous right now talking about giving everything uh, their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. Before I finished reading that, think about that. Everything they had. Everything they had. You know, we got it backwards. We spend a lifetime of trying to accumulate things just to find out when we get to a certain point, they don't really mean a whole lot. Man, to get to the point that I'm willing to give everything, say, God, it's yours. It's yours. I mean, because I just love you. I mean, this was, this was a, 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 you know, a church that was, it was a community of great. This church was a powerful church. God's grace was so powerfully as it worked in him all. How many is thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Boy, I tell you, if we really understand the grace of God, I tell you what, we would lose our judgment pretty quick, wouldn't we? If we understood how powerful the grace of God is, we really would. I'm telling you, my head, I'm a hard head. I mean, it's taken a few of these messages. It's taken a few conversations. And then I look in the mirror and I see the Pharisee in me. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Not that they were bad. You're going to see something here in a moment that's remarkable. Not that they're bad, but I just want to be be a part of a group that just loves God. I want to be a part of a group that just comes in here and says, man, it's yours, God. It's yours. I mean, I want to see every type of person come in here. I want to see people flood the altars. I want to see people be baptized that had great testimonies. How many enjoyed the cardboard Sunday testimony? Yeah. That ought to happen on a weekly basis, right? And they were so sincere because where God has, has brought them from. Where they were and where God's brought them from. This church is a powerful church. And there were no needy persons among them. Mm, 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 mm. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. Wow. Brought the money from the sales, put at the apostles' feet, and it was, was distributed to anyone who had need. I mean, he's feeling a little rough right now. It's like, man, I won't leave all my stuff to my kids. Most likely, all the stuff that you're going to lose to your kids that meant a lot to you, they're probably going to sell. What a church. I'm just trying to paint a trick. I mean, miracles happen on a daily basis. I just, it's just something great about that. It's something great coming to living water here. Because I never know what's going to happen. I don't. I don't ever know what's going to be brought to me. I never know the next phone call from pastor and say, have you ever thought about this? What book he's reading, what book somebody else is reading. I pick it up and I look at it and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not there. It's just a great church. So we would all agree that this was a church in the first century that we would, that we would really we would really be proud to be a part of the church in Acts. How many would say, I would love to be a part of that church? Amen. All right. Every day they continue to. Well, what are we doing here? And y'all got me so confused. I don't know where it's at. Uh, hmm. Go back one. Thank you. Nope. Nope. Next. Good enough. I'll go from there. The church was a forgiving church. The church was a forgiving church. And I just want to paint this picture with you just briefly because all I'm doing, this is the introduction because I really want to get somewhere. It was a forgiving church because we see a church can't grow without forgiveness, right? I mean, they were accepting everybody. We've already read that. People were coming to church. They were accepting people. They weren't saying, oh, that was the person. Remember that person? That was the person over there on that street, or that person was the one that robbed someone, or that. That wasn't like the, accept everyone. And they were a forgiving church all the way around. I mean, when I look at Stephen, one of the first martyrs, it says right here, Acts seven fifty nine. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, Lord, do not hold this sin against them." When he had said this, he fell asleep. So they were a forgiving church. This was just one guy. But this church and the Acts, I mean, they had it together. I mean, could you imagine if you go back and read chapter 7 and you read about the stoning of Stephen and you begin to digest that and get all that in there and for him to be able to say, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's someone who's met the resurrected Christ. That came straight from Calvary, right? That came straight from Calvary. All right, so we continue to go. Next slide, can you all do it? There you go, I'll let you all do In the early church the Pharisee mindset had lost its grip. Remember, they were mad. They were angry at Jesus because he came along and he taught something totally different and he acted totally different. He, he hung with totally different people. It was totally opposite of what the Pharisees did. Not that the Pharisees were bad because you're going to see in a moment it don't take long to be a Pharisee. I mean, it happens in a nanosecond. But they, 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 they had lost their, they weren't the leaders of the New Testament church. This book, this church, in the Acts, the Pharisees weren't the leaders no more. They're still scratching their head. They're still trying to figure out how to kill the apostles and anyone else who would believe. I love the way God works because if you know anything about the first century church, this church here, when it began, God, God's plan probably was for persecution to come. Because the church got scattered and it went into all the providences. See, they scattered it and the news would, the news would even go more and, 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 and to greater distances. So, first, Pharisee mindset lost its grip. Next slide. Nowhere among the other Christians do we find the cold light of intellectual understanding that constantly analyzes and differentiates. Mm. Speaking to my heart here. Instead, there was a spirit that burned within their hearts and made their souls alive. Being a student of the Word, a minister of the gospel, pastor can relate. Others in here can relate. That sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get critical of other people's teachings. We can get critical because it's not what we believe we think. No one holds all the truth on one corner. Man, God has this where a pastor could speak and minister. And some of you may respond a different way. I speak. Some of you may respond a different way. Brother Mike speaks. Some of you might respond a different way. I want to tell you something. we just got to get to the point to where we understand one thing, that some plants, some water, but God causes the increase, right? That's where we got to get, and I think that's what he's saying here. Next slide. All right, we'll look at the church of Corinth. I'm still in the introduction because i got to get to the church of Ephesus. Now, the church of Corinth. 20 years had passed around there. Since the resurrection of Jesus. And we see Paul having to do something. Teach something to a church. That wasn't a bad church. It was a good church. These were new churches that were born. But something happened to where Paul has to remind. All the people of some valuable truths. And I want you to listen before we get to the church of Ephesus. I'm going to read it. Out loud, you can hear it. Starts the first verse. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of man or angels, but do not have love, am I only a resounding gong or cymbal, a, a clanging cymbal? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, am I nothing? Next slide. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. What a reminder to a church because he's having to remind them, don't get caught up in doing things in the church, and you do those things, but they become things to you of busyness, and then you start getting to the point to where you don't do them out of love. Well, you're not acting out of love. If you're not acting out of love, it's just a bunch of noise. We're going through the emotions. It's kind of like a club. Not that the things that we are doing are bad. Not that any of these things that Paul's talking to this church about is bad. It's just that you've got to have love. Here at Living Water, whatever we do, let's concentrate on Love. Love should trump everything. Love should trump every argument. Love should trump every disagreement. Love should trump every sin. Love should trump everything. We need to be motivated and moved by the love of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. And so many people are so worried. Well, there's the other side of the coin. There is another side of the coin. And you can preach the other side of the coin. But when we preach the other side of the coin, make sure we preach it with the love of God that flows through us. Make sure it's a message that comes across as I love you like a child, like a child and a parent where the parent's saying, hey, don't cross the road. And, and no, 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 don't do that. You know, you've seen it, you've been driving and, and a kid's going to run out and a parent reaches out there and they grabs them. They grab them out of love because they don't want to see something happen to that child. As long as I'm operating that way with the church and the message and with people, I'm operating in a good way, right? I'm operating in a great way because we, we need this. Next slide. For we know in part we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man I put the ways put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. For, for when we see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Enough said. Next slide. Now we're going to get into the sermon. Hmm. The church of Ephesus. This was a powerful church. This was a church... That Paul establishes in his missionary journey. This is a church that is, has a rich history, if you will, in the Bible. We see a great compliment that's given to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians 1.15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, in the Lord Jesus underlined their faith, but didn't really circle the next. And your love for all of God's people. Paul said, I've heard about your love for all of God's people. How many is here today at Living Water, this community of grace, because you've experienced the love of God through other people? Can you say amen? Yes. Can you really say amen? Shout it to God. Say amen. Paul said, I've heard of your love. So this church of Ephesus, man, it was, it was a great church. They loved people. It was heard about. The fame spreaded throughout the regions of how they loved people. It was a gappy church. Next slide. The church of Ephesus was prayed over Paul. Now, it's like something almost identical to Corinthians, but it's like Paul knew something. It's like him as the leader, he could see something before it even happened. Or as it gradually happened. Now watch. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of, a, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, empower you through the spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in you, your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be rooted. And established in love. So he's going to go right back on this love. He starts this off in love. And he wants them to know that, man, you know, I'm going to be praying for you. It's like he knew something was up. He knew something was going to happen. And I'm here to tell you, God's people, it does happen. I mean, how many's ever been guilty of being so busy in church that you become angry or you become so focused on what you're doing and the love part has been exited? Has anybody ever been there? Mm -hmm, There's a few of you honest. Pastor, you really need to preach on that one message about being honest. Uh, uh, It's happened to you, hasn't it, Pastor? It's happened to me, to where you're just doing the emotions. You're doing things because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this, you know. This is what Christians do. We work hard. And, you know, my strongest advice to anybody that gets involved in church is just remember when you start, when when you're at that point to where you're not doing it out of love and you're not just wanting to love people and just love them in whatever ministry you are, you need to probably back up take a pause and say why am I doing this why am I doing this because now it's, it's it's getting more about me than it's about God because I'm feeling emotions I'm feeling some emotions that are, that are coming up I hate feelings how many of you guys hate feelings I mean them feelings but that they're there right women they're there and 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 I and I can tell you what they need to be there but them emotions start coming up and, we, and, and then we start getting focused well look what I've done Look what I've done. And, and before you know it, we become fair because we're just like them. We're, we're, we're acting the way they would act. It's not that they were bad people. They loved the law. And they were doing something. But they did everything in their power to live up to the law, which they failed miserably. And it took all their joy. It took everything away from them. And people couldn't be touched by the power of God that that the Pharisees ministered to because they lost the love part. Jesus comes along, and he gets this love part down, right? He gets this love part down. I mean, he'll eat with a tax collector. Didn't you hear preacher tell you about that? I mean, he'll eat with a tax collector. He'll talk to the woman at the well. I mean, he'll get fishermen. I mean, there's something about this Jesus. He comes, and I want to tell you, he loves everybody, and everybody wants to be around somebody who loves, right? I mean, everybody wants to be around that person. Man, that's just the most loving person. You want to be around that person. That New Testament church. Here we see Ephesus. It's beginning here, started in 2 Corinthians, I believe. It's when Paul founded it. So we see a powerful, powerful New Testament church. I'm reminded of the church I pastored. It was a growing church like this church. And I'm reminded I've said the story many times. I had two senior ladies that couldn't come to church. Their health had deteriorated. And I never will forget. And, and I'm not preaching about money today because if you think I am, then you missed the whole mark of the message. But I never will forget, church was just blossoming. And we didn't. I wish we would have had this. I wish we would have had online. I wish we would have had technology. I wish we would have had all this so our seniors could watch it. If you're watching at home and you just can't make it to church, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we had this? I mean, how many couldn't make it to church and you went back and you watched it and you said yes? So I, I, I'm thankful for this, and I looked at this, and I remember they'd call me up the first of every month or the 30th. I can't remember which one it was because they'd get their Social Security check. And I knew what they made because they, they would show me, and they made sure that they gave me 10% of that check. I want you to go put this in an offering because God won't bless me the way I need to be blessed. And I just love, and this is what would get me. I love hearing people calling me and telling me what's going on at the church. See, I mean, they just loved it. It's a mark of a great church. Next slide. May have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. This is Paul's prayer, by the way, a continuation. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, now, let's let's take a look at this, and let's read this one more time before we jump over to the book of Revelation. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled in the measure of all the fullness of God. That jumped out at me. It's like Paul is... is is praying for them but in his prayer he is challenging them to stay in love he's challenging them that look the whole key to all this is love is love it's like he knew something was going to happen to this church if they didn't do this he pulled it from the book of uh, 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 Corinthians you can see he ministered to them and now he's praying this prayer over the Ephesians, and i and I mean the church of Ephesus, and, and you see this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, has God done more than you could ask or imagine? Come on, has God done more than you could imagine? I mean, I'll ask you right now, Pastor, did you ever think this would come to fruition? Did you ever see this like this? I mean, never seen this like this, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, God's people, if we'll continue in love. If we all walk in love, if we're motivated by love, if we greet one another with love, if we support one another with love, I mean, the sky's the limit. You can't cut off love because love, what he's saying, has no boundaries. No boundaries. It's endless. Same thing. And I want to tell you the very definition of God, if you really want to know, is what? Love. Love. Say it again. The very definition of God is? Love. Oh, if we could really get that into our hearts and our minds, we'd lose our tongues. We would lose our thoughts that are critical. We would just say, man, I don't know. I mean, many pastors talk, and many times that we talk, we get to talking about some kind of deep things, and we come to the conclusion, man, I don't know. I just want to live for God. I just want to live for God. I don't want to get bogged down in politics. I don't want to get bogged down into this type or this type. I just want to live for God. Can you say amen? The world's bogged down into all kinds of things, right? The media's got y'all bogged down into all kinds of things. You watch the news, you'll be bogged down into all kinds of things. I just want to be a child of God and walk in love. (laughs) To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Next slide. Paul urged the church of Ephesus to stay in unity. Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. For everybody that's over 50. I was going to say 60, I don't fall in that category. But the older you get... Don't you start seeing things a little clearer. You really kind of do. You kind of look, because I guess you've been through enough nonsense, you've seen enough nonsense, you've heard enough nonsense, that you start kind of seeing what things really mean and what's the most important things. Hmm. Be completely humble and gentle. Hmm. Mm. I was sharing with the youth in our Sunday school class that, you know, I knew a gentleman once, and he was an older gentleman, probably 70, 68, 70. I was a young pastor, and he was so hard. Came out of the Pentecostal teaching, and I mean just, a, just hard. And, and, and teach a Sunday school class, he'd, he'd kind of contradict what you say out of just hardness. One day his son got in trouble. 20, 21 years old, got in some bad trouble. will to know if I'd go to court with him. went to court, and they had the guy dead to rights. I mean, they caught this guy with drugs and all kinds of things. And I sat there and I was listening to him talk to his wife. They have it up for him. they've been. And I'm like, man, if he could just love the church. And have that understanding with the church that he's having for his son. He would be so powerful because he knew the word. Have you ever seen anyone that knows the word? And it can come so hard and so just dogmatic with the word. That it destroys the beauty of the word and the message behind it. Right? Right, destroys the message. And I mean, when we look at God's word, when we look at this, it's it's a powerful, powerful for us to stay in this. Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, through all and in all. I mean, if you just read the book of Ephesians, it's just, it just absorbs you if you really get to the truths. In Sunday school, I made them sit down today just in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, and we started a Sunday school class with five or six at each table, and, and I wanted them to exhaust what they read out of the, uh, 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 Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 13. Just find all the truths, and then we talked about those truths. All right, now, next slide. Here we go. You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name, and have not go weary. This is in Revelation, the second chapter. And this is where God's talking to the seven churches. I guess I missed it on my slide, so I'm going back from recall. But he's talking to the church of Ephesus. This is the same church that you see in the book of Ephesians, that people heard about all their love throughout the region's, all their works. This is still the same church, and so here we see in Revelations, uh, the second chapter: "You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary." Yet, now this is Christ talking. I hold this against you. Go back to what I've read in Second and uh, in, in Corinthians, First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians, and the Book of Ephes, the Book of Ephesians. It's like Paul could see something happen. He knew if we lose our love, we lost everything. Now, here's John on the Isle of Patmos, and here he is receiving truth. You have persevered, you have endured hardships. That's pretty good, right? For my name, you have not grown weary. Those are good attributes, really good attributes. Yet I hold this against you. See, here's that other side of the coin we don't like to hear about. And, and I, and I want to urge all of us, and I'm preaching to myself this morning, that, that I don't want to just have works. I don't just want to be busy just for the namesake of being busy. Man, I want to have love for you. I want to love you, Tyler, when I see you, man. I just want to say it's good to see you, Tyler. Right? Jackie, I just want to love you. I just want to love you and support you. If I hear something that happens to you, man, my heart should hurt. It should ache. That's the kind of love I want to have, right? Right? Man, I want to love Roland, the ministry. I look at everybody out there. I just want to love you. When I miss a service, I didn't get to come last Sunday. I, I, I had a, a, a cold. I taught science school, and then I left. I just was under weather, went home and slept all afternoon. And I just didn't want to give anyone else the, the cold, except the youth. Uh, and... So the youth could give it to you guys when they got home. I, I know that's where it's going. And, and so, but anyway, I just, I just want to love. And, and somebody greeted me. I can't remember who it was. I meet a lot of people in church. But they said, man, I'm so glad you're back today. You know how that makes you feel? Love. They had it together. They persevered. They endured hardships. They had not grown weary. I think there's some other parts of to that, too, that... Maybe I didn't capture, or we missed the slide. But they had—they were doing all the right things as a church, and God, they bring out these right things in the Book of Revelation. You're doing all these great things, but I have somewhat against you. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your love that you had at first. Go back in your minds. Now think some of you are going to have to go back, way, way back. Some of you're just going to have to go a little back. Some of you Mike, way back, Mike. Uh, and so, so when you think about this, remember when you first came to Jesus. Man, when you, I don't know about you, but when I left the altar, I wanted man to love everybody. Love everybody. I didn't even know there was no wrong in the church. I've often said it before, first church I ever pastored. Man, the first week I was there, I was like, I'm in the best place in the world. These are the best people. I mean, I wish that, you know, everybody could see this. About three months in it, I wasn't saying that. Right? I have somewhat against you. I mean, go back in your mind when you first started dating. To the woman you're married to now. Think of the romance. Think of all that went with that, how much you felt. I mean, man, you want marriage counseling, Pastor, you can find it right here in the book of Revelation. Go back and how you felt. Man, you would do anything. Man, you worship basically almost one another, right? You love because you was going to marry this bride, this bride. She's going to marry you. Remember all those feelings, all those emotions. And, And then, you know, years pass. Now you're sitting in your recliner instead of picking up something. Hey, babe, would you go pick that up? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's just remarkable. We see a church that just blossoms in the book of Acts. You think nothing could put its fire out. Persecution came. They scattered. But then you see churches that just blossoms. You see the church of Corinth. And already in the church of Corinth, you see that they have left love a little bit. In Ephesus, you see a powerful church for all the trade, a great place of business, commercial trade. I mean, this, this, this church was in the right place, in a growing church. But you see Paul's little warnings to them, and then you just see a few years later, a few years later, that God is saying, I have somewhat against you. Yeah, you persevered. Yeah, you have it down. Yeah, you can make all the right moves. Yeah, you can say all the right things. But I have somewhat against you. Let me tell you what he says here. He says this right here. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Now, as I begin to read this, this actually, this part of the message came out of an elders meeting that I went home and didn't like how the meeting went. <clears throat> I need to learn to be quiet. And listen more. I got two ears and one mouth. And these ears are big. I need to learn to use them. I never seen this. Great church. Great works. Doing good things. I get I've seen that you left your first love. I've seen that before. I've seen it many, many times, Mike. But it was the next verse of Scripture that got my mind. Consider how far you have fallen. Consider how far you have fallen. Go back into the Revelation, the second chapter. You can start at the first verse. And read all the attributes of this church. If this part wasn't right here that you left your first love, if you, if, you, you know, uh, if you just stopped there and that was all that was said about the first church, everybody here would be saying, Amen! Boy, that's a great church! That's a powerful church because we look at what Jesus said about them. You persevered. You've endured hardships for my name's sake. You haven't grown weary. We'd be saying, Yes! 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 But then you get to the next part. I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. And then you get to the last part of that before he tells you to repent. and says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent. I will come to you and remove your lip stamp from its place. You know what had happened? This is how it came to me. The church of Ephesus had became a pharisaic church they were doing all the right things practicing all the right things but not doing it in love where are you at today where are you at where am i at today do we have a love that just rolls out of us Do we had that same love the first day we got saved and left that altar Do we have that love and that romance for God that's just in our heart? And we just want to love God. We just want to please God. We just want to walk with God. We just want to talk with God. We want to welcome everybody. We want to love everybody. Are we there? Because if we're not, not that we're bad. Because we could have a lot of good attributes about us. But we could also see where God says, I have something against you. Consider how far you've fallen. I look at it and I'm like, I, I, I didn't see. It. They, they, they're pretty good. They were keep they were. See, we, we look at things through the eyes of humans. And God looks at it totally different. You know what God today wants from you, Mike? He wants your love. He wants your love, Garrick. God wants our love. He wants us to sell out. He wants all these other things, but he wants to make sure that when we operate, that we're operating in love. The moment I look down my nose towards somebody, that Pharisee is knocking at my heart. The moment I look at someone that may be in trouble, and I have just such a hurt for them, because I know where they're going or what they're doing or, or what they're going through. That I have such a hurt that all I want to do is pray for them. And I want to see them on the right track. I'm getting back to the church of Acts. I'm getting back to the church of Acts. Where are you at today? Man, it is so important. Sky's the limit for this church. Sky's the limit. We just scraped the surface. When God's finished building this church here, something'll happen. When it's finished, never church no churches last. No a church's not put here to last forever. You talking about my church. No, I'm not talking about your church. God has a unique way of keeping the church fresh and growing. He could have let the church in the book of Acts continue to blossom and that be the only center. But he allowed persecution to come so that they would scatter abroad and build other churches. The sky is the limit for Living Water Church. If we'll operate and walk in love, think in love, act in love, Everything we say or we do, that is out of love. And if if you're at that point right now and you can say, man, everything I say, every thought I have, it's 100% just out of love. I mean, good for you. That's a good place to be. I want to get there. You want to go and come with me? I want to get there. It's a journey. I'm telling you, I've been reading this word for a lot of years. I, I read this word a lot. And God's still knocking me in the head knocking me in the head, when I told my wife that I wanted to come to a church where the preaching would challenge me, boy, did God know what he was doing. I didn't. I just went into the Knights of Columbus and heard a guy start speaking. I'm like, that guy spent some time with God. That guy. And then he roped me in somehow, and, and then he beats me up, and I still love him. Aren't you glad to be a part of Living Water Church? I love you church I've been around for a while I've seen a lot of great moves I've been blessed whether it be on an aircraft carrier whether it be at Branch whether it be at Davila those are places that I've been in that's had powerful moves of God just like this I love you I love the church I love each and every one of you and I I want us Consider how far you have fallen. That haunts me. Because it can happen like that. The moment I stop operating in love, I have took, I mean, a huge fall. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As the group comes up, I challenge you this morning. Not only just here at the church, as a body of corporate believers, but I challenge you this morning. Maybe with your children, with your marriages. Are they exciting? Are they like it? Are they like when you first started? You remember when you first held that baby that was born? I mean you held, I mean that little bitty baby, then they get to be teenagers, right? But how much you loved that little baby? How much you loved your wife before, when you was proposing for her? How much you loved God when you came to the altar, and you asked Christ to come in your life whether it was here, whether it was in a car, whether it was in a field, wherever you asked God to come in your heart how you were so free, and, and you was like, "I love the Lord, I love people." Are you still there? Are you still there? Are you you still there with that love, that agape love, that love that's the highest form of love? Are you still there in every area? Oh, let's keep our first love. Let's keep our first love. As they begin to play, maybe you just want to come spend time. You can spend time where you're at. But you want to come and say, I want to rediscover that first love. I just want that first love. I just want to operate in love. I just want to be operating in love. The altars are open. Won't you come? Won't you come?